If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn them with me back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. We're in the middle of a series of messages on the work of the church, and um, I want to continue that today. We're trying to get a biblical understanding of what the church is and what the church does. We're trying to see what God says about His church. How many know this is God's church? It's not my church. It's not your church. It's His church, and what we do in His church ought to be pleasing unto him. He knows what the church was created for. He knows the mission of the church better than we could ever know. So we've got to look to the word of God and see just what God says about his church, what God says about the business of his church. And so we started off talking about the miracle of the church. Folks, let me tell you what's miraculous, that God can use mortal people to be a part of what the God who is immortal does. That amazes me. Every time I think about that, that completely blows my mind. That the God of the universe, the God who stood on nothing and created everything, the God who spoke in the darkness and light appeared, the God um, who we read about on the pages of Scripture is the God we get to serve. We get to be a part of what He's doing. And all of that is made possible because of the miracle of the church. Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's downright miraculous, in my opinion, that mortals get to be a part of what the immortal does through the work of the local church. We looked at the miracle of the church in Matthew 16, and then last week, if you remember, we looked at the method of the church. And so Paul describes the church as the body of Christ. He says, we are many members that come together to make up one body. Each member functions individually and comes together in concert with the other members so that we might uh, please as a whole the head. And so that's exactly the method of the church. And how many of you understand this morning that God's method has not changed? If you're going to be used of the Lord, you're going to be used of the Lord through the church. If you're going to be about the business of God in this world, you're going to be about His business through the church. God works on the church. God works in the church. And let me tell you something. God is still working through the church. So if you want to be a part of what God's doing, you need to get plugged in to your local Bible-believing church. If you believe that this morning, say amen. You need to get faithful to the local Bible-believing church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the miracle of the church. We see the method of the church. This morning, I want us to see the mission of the church. And we're going to finish up in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, what we started. The first thing that I want you to see, our key verse this morning, is verse number 7. I want you to see what the Bible tells us. It says that, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Everybody say every man. Every man to profit with all. That means everybody has been given a gift of God the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you this morning, if you have trusted in Jesus, you have been blood-bought and born again into the church, you have been given a gift by the Spirit. Sometimes it's hard for people to realize that. People don't recognize that. They look at these great leaders of the faith, people like Billy Graham, and say, you know what, I could see that Billy Graham had a gift of God, and he certainly did. And They look at people like David Jeremiah. Man, David Jeremiah, I know he had a gift of God. They read about people like the great missionary David Livingston. They say, man, David Livingston, I know he had a gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, let me tell you something, folks. That's true. All of those great men and women of faith that we sometimes look up to, they they had a gift of the Holy Spirit so that they might be used in the body. But my Bible says 
Yeah, they have the gift, but so do you. That God has given his gift to every man, woman, boy or girl that's been born again into his body. You have been given a gift by God the Holy Spirit so that you might function in the body and do what God has saved you to do. God the Holy Spirit fulfills his mission in and through the church. If you believe that, say amen. And he does that through giving gifts to each and every member of the body. There's three things that I want you to see this morning concerning the spiritual gifts that are spoken of here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. First of all, I want you to see the description of the gifts. Look at verse number 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, Paul is saying to them, and he's saying to us, don't be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. I had a football coach years ago who told me the difference between being stupid, doing something stupid, and doing something in ignorance. I remember we was playing a football game. I was playing outside linebacker, and I had certain keys that I had to read on defense as to what the offense was doing. Well, I saw what they did, but I didn't react like I should react. I, I saw what they did, but I didn't do what I was supposed to do, and it cost my team. The offense, the other team, got a first down. And my coach called me over to the sideline. He said, let me ask you something. What, do you know what you are supposed to do on that play? And I said, well, I think I do. He said, well, tell me. So I told him what I thought I was supposed to do, what I thought I was supposed to be looking at. And he said, man, that's right. He said, why didn't you just do that? And I, I stood there. I didn't really have anything to say. He said, if you know what to do, then just do it. He said, let me tell you the difference between making a stupid play and being ignorant. He said, making a stupid play is when you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it. He said, being ignorant is you just don't know any better. <laughs> and that's right. That's exactly right. Now what Paul is saying to these believers, he's saying, I want you to know better concerning spiritual things. I want you to know the truth of who God is and what God has done in absolutely every believer. Brother, you've been given a spiritual gift. And you've been given a spiritual gift. And you've been given a spiritual, and you have. All of us have who have trusted in Jesus. We've been given a spiritual gift. There are spiritual gifts. And I say that because first and foremost the Bible says it, but I also say it because there's people who today believe there's no such thing as spiritual gifts. Yes, absolutely there are spiritual gifts. And God's given every believer that gift of the Spirit, that spiritual gifts, so that we might function in his body. If you believe it this morning, say amen. See, the gifts are, first of all, spiritual. They're given by the Spirit. How many of you understand 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 16 says that we are now the temple of God. I talked to you last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 12, about how that every believer is baptized into the body by one Spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes every believer at the moment of conversion. So now the Holy Spirit of God has baptized us into the church. But 1 Corinthians 3.16 then tells us that the Holy Spirit indwells every believer. We are the temple of God. What is the temple? It's where God dwells. It's where God stays. And so what the Bible is telling us, God lives in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And because we have the Spirit, the Spirit gives us gifts so that we might function in the body. So that we might be effective 
in doing what God has ultimately saved us to do. Now, I'm thankful you're in church. I'm glad of that. I praise God for that. Hey, listen, come back tonight. We're going to do this all over again at 6 o'clock with our men's and women's group. Come back for that. I'm glad you're in church, but I just want you to understand and know God has saved you for more than just to come to a church service. See, sometimes what we think, sometimes how we've been conditioned in the world we live in is that we think we come to church. Well, that's part of it. Listen, folks, we don't come to church. We are the church. <laughs> Listen, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We get the mindset that all we have to do is come to church. Then we, then we begin to, to think that once we come to a service like this, that somehow we fulfilled our obligation. Now we'll go out and do whatever else we want to do. We'll live however else we want to live. We'll make the decisions and choices that we want to make when we leave this place. Listen to me. This is only the meeting place of the church. We are are the church, and we're the church on Sunday, and we're supposed to be the church on Monday, and we're supposed to be the church on Tuesday, and we're supposed to be the church in our house, and we're supposed to be the church in this house, and we're supposed to be the church at the schoolhouse, and we're supposed to be the church at the workplace, and we're supposed to be the church at the ball game. Why? Because God has saved us for a purpose. That purpose is to go out, be the hands and feet of Jesus, and make an impact for the kingdom of God in this world. Fulfilling the purpose of the head. Each member working in concert one with another so that we might ultimately do what the head says and Jesus is the head. Remember us talking about that last week? But God does that by giving each member spiritual gifts so that we might function. These gifts are spiritual, but let me share something else with you. They're supernatural. Look with me at verse number 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. It says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Now, the word gifts here is charismata. You've probably heard that when you hear the word charismatic. That's where we get charismatic from. Now, that word charismata in the Greek actually means just a gift of grace. That's what it's saying. So, so what Paul is saying to them and to us, to every believer, that these gifts come from the Spirit. They are spiritual gifts, but they are, listen to me now, supernatural. How many of you know a person can be talented and do, have a lot of talent but not be saved? He's not talking about natural talent, even though God gives natural talent. Even though I believe we ought to use our natural talents for his honor and for his glory. But this goes much deeper than that. He's not just talking about natural talent. He's not just talking about that which comes naturally, but that which comes as a gift of grace. Now, what does it mean that we have these charismata, these gifts of grace? It means that we're completely undeserving of them. <laughs> Amen? I don't deserve them and you don't deserve them. None of us deserve the gifts that God the Holy Spirit gives us so that we might function. Therefore, we can't be prideful in them. I can't be prideful in my spiritual gift and you can't be prideful in your spiritual gift because without the gift of grace, we don't have them. Are you getting what I'm saying? Without God the Holy Spirit doing His work, we don't have Without God the Holy Spirit working on us, working in us, and working through us, we'll never be effective. If it's not God doing the work, the work won't get done. 
is what I'm trying to tell you. And so he says these gifts are spiritual gifts, but they're also supernatural gifts. It goes much deeper than just physical ability, natural talent. He says every believer, every blood-bought, born-again child of God who's a member of the body has been given a supernatural gift. But now let me say something to you folks. Listen to me. Dr. Adrian Rogers said something years ago that I love. He said, what we must remember is God gave you that steam, not so you can sit around and toot your whistle, but so that you can get on down the track. I like that. That makes sense to me. What he's saying is, the power that we've been given by the person of the Holy Spirit in the form of the gifts that we have is not for our, only for our enjoyment, but it's for our employment in the body of Christ. It's for us to go and be a part of what God is doing in this world. He uses, listen, His power to give us those gifts so that we might do the work that God has purposed for us to do. How do I know that? Well, it says it. Look at, look at verse number 7. Verse number 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man for what purpose? To profit with all. <laughs> Amen? God has given me the gift He's given me, and God has given you the gifts He's given you so that my, I might not only be a prophet in my ministry, but I might be prophet for you in your ministry so that we can all work together to honor and glorify the Lord Jesus. That's how this is supposed to work. That's how God has set it up. God, the Holy Spirit, fulfills His mission through the church. And He does it by giving us spiritual gifts so that we might work in concert with one another to honor and glorify the Lord Jesus. If you got it, say, I got it. <laughs> we got spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts. We got gifts of service, amen. We're to profit with all. But then there's one other thing that we've got to see. Look down at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 11. These are sovereign gifts. Now what do I mean when I say they are sovereign gifts? That means God gave them. That means when I say that God is sovereign, I mean God does what he wants, when he wants, with whom he wants, how he wants. God's sovereign. He's in complete and total control. Now, look what it tells us in verse number 11. It just bears that out. It says, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man, there it is again, severally as he will. What's he saying? It's God who divides to every member the gifts he wants each member to have. God has given me my gifts, and God has given you your gifts. These gifts are not learned. They're not worked for. These gifts are given by God himself so that he might accomplish his work in the church. These are sovereign gifts. And that only makes sense. Because if you remember, go back down with me to, um, to verse number 18. Remember we looked at this last week. God, it's his church, and he has put every member in his church, in his body, as it hath 
pleased him. That means God puts all of us where he wants us in his body and then gives us the gifts we need to function where he's put us so that he might be glorified. So that the world might be changed. So that we might actually become the hands and feet of Jesus working in concert with one another to glorify the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. These are spiritual gifts. They're supernatural gifts. They're gifts of service. But now let me tell you something, folks. They're sovereign gifts. It's God that gives it to you. It's God that gives it to you. These, this is the description of the gifts. But now listen, the Bible also teaches that there are diversities of gifts. That's point number two. Look what it says here in verse number four. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. It tells us that in verse number four, but then gives us the list in verse number eight. Watch how the Bible puts this. He says, for one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom. What does it mean to have the spiritual gift of wisdom? I love um, the, the definition that my little girl gives me all the time of wisdom. She says, wisdom is the ability to make God-honoring choices in, in, in every area of your life. And, and wisdom here that's being spoken of, it's much deeper than common sense. Really, it's uncommon sense. <laughs> Amen? It's, it's uh, wisdom that's given by God so that we might honor him in all that we do. Now, how does that work inside the body? How can I use that gift in concert with all of you? Or how can you use that gift, if God's given you that, in concert with all the other members so that Jesus might be glorified? Listen, you, not only do, if you've got the gift of wisdom, you know how to make God-honoring choices in your life, but you can instruct others on how to make God-honoring choices in their life. That's why I keep telling you folks, listen, if you've got problems in your home, if you've got problems in your marriage, if you've got problems at your workplace, if you're struggling in any area of your life, financially, emotionally, relationally, whatever the case may be, as a child of God, you don't need to go to the world. You don't need to go to someone who is not a child of the king. Let me tell you why. Because God has put people in the body so that we might all work together and be ministered unto one to another. Amen? It's God who gives this gift of will. I'm so thankful for brothers and sisters in Christ that I could go to and I still go to from time to time that I can, I can get good godly wisdom from. You only get that from the people of God. You only get that and the children of God. And so that's who you need to seek out when you're going through whatever it is that you're going through in your life, no matter what situation or circumstance. The world has nothing for us. Listen, you find what you need. First of all, in the truth of God's word. And as God uses his people to speak into your life. Man, it's so important. I've seen that so many times in my life. I'm so thankful for those who have the word of wisdom. Then he says something else. He says, not only the word of wisdom, but look at what else in verse number 8. And to another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit. So what is the word of knowledge? Let, let me define that for you if I can. The word of knowledge is whenever you have the ability to know without, you, you have the ability to know something that you would have never known without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you some, some uh, instances of that in Scripture. Do you remember in Acts chapter number 5 when Peter called out Ananias and Sapphira? If you remember Ananias and Sapphira, they had made the claim that 
The church had just been started, just been born on the day of Pentecost, and the Lord was blessing in a mighty way, and it was growing in leaps and bounds there in Jerusalem. And Ananias and Sapphira came to Peter, who was the pastor there, and they pretty much say to Peter, we've sold this plot of land, and we're going to give all the money to the church. And Peter just calls them out on it, and he says, you're lying. But you not just lied to me and to the church, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. That's a very serious offense. And he goes on to say, that money was yours to do with what you wanted to do with it. You could have sold that money and done anything you wanted to do, but you sold the money and you lied to everybody and said you gave, or you sold the, the land and, and lied and said you gave all the money to the church when you didn't give all the money to the church. So because you've lied, God's going to deal with you, and God did just that. Matter of fact, they fell dead right there on the spot because they had lied under the Holy Spirit. Now let me ask you something. How did Peter know that Ananias and Sapphira were lying about what they were saying? I believe he had a word of knowledge. I believe he knew something that he could have only known by the anointing and work of God the Holy Spirit. And I, I don't know that I've ever had that, but I'm going to tell you something. I believe my wife has it all the time. I think this goes along with the spirit of discernment. She has got a strong spirit of discernment. She really does. Let me give you for instance. I was pastoring at a church before I came here years ago. And, and there was a couple that came into our Wednesday night Bible study one night, them and two kids, and um, they came up to the, to the altar that night, and, and, um, and, and I prayed with them and, and spoke with them and, and counseled them as much as I could there at, at the altar, and then we came back Sunday, and they came back Sunday, and they came back the next Wednesday night, and they came back the next Wednesday night. And so they were coming faithful every time the doors were open. They were there. And then the, I guess the next week after that, um, he came up and said he gave his heart to Jesus. And she came up and said she gave her heart to Jesus and they joined the church. And man, I was so excited, so thankful. And, and I got in the, in the car that night, man, just overjoyed with what um, I believed God had done. And Brandy said, you know, I'm not trying to, to throw water on you, but be careful. And I got mad at her. You know, I said, well, now, wait a minute. You know, you've got to trust what they say. If they make a profession of faith, then, then we're going to trust that. She said, I know that. I'm, I'm not saying anything about that. Just listen to me. You better be careful. Just watch yourself. So a few weeks on down the road, these same couple came to me one uh, night after service and talked about how that they had lost their home down in South Mississippi and had moved into the area and they had nothing and their home that they was living in, all their appliances were, weren't working like they were supposed to. So I called my deacons together and I asked them, I said, guys, is there any way we can help this family? So we bought them new appliances. We bought them um, a, a living room suit, you know, to, to get them started there in their new place that they were renting. And then that next week, they wasn't at church. And one of the young men at church came to me and he said, Pastor, have you talked to so-and-so, the man that, that I'm speaking to you about? And I said, I have. And he said, well, he came and borrowed my trailer last Wednesday, and I hadn't seen him since. And that was on Sunday. Hadn't heard from him. Can't get a hold of him. Now, let me tell you what happened. That family had taken all of those appliances out of the home that we had put in there, went all the way back to South Mississippi where they came from, pawned all the appliances in a pawn shop along with the young man's trailer. Now, how did, how did, how did Brandy know? So I, I think the Lord had given her a spirit of discernment. I think she had a word of knowledge, some, something that she knew and couldn't have known except by the work of the Holy Spirit. 
Some people have a word of knowledge. There's a word of wisdom. There's a word of knowledge. Let's look, let's look on further here. Then he talks about in verse number 9 uh, the, the work of faith. Look what it says. To another faith by the selfsame spirit. Watch how, what he says here. And to another gift of healing by the same spirit. So what is the gift of faith? The gift of faith goes far and above uh, what we consider to just be faith. Have you ever met some people with the gift of faith? I have. And man, they're a joy to be around. They just know how to believe God. They just know how to trust the Lord. Um, I'm reminded of a story I heard one time of a man by the name of George Mueller. Have any of you ever heard of George Mueller? George Mueller ran an orphanage in London, England back in the 1800s. And the story goes like this, that um, he had several children in his care at that time, and God was using them greatly to impact their lives for the kingdom, but he had ran out of money. He didn't have any money to feed these kids, and he had a whole table full of kids with no food. And so one night at supper, they all sat down, there was nothing to eat. And so all the kids were sitting there wondering where their meal was going to come from, and so George Mueller. And he said, you know what? He talked to all these kids. He said, God, the, the, uh, our Heavenly Father tells us to ask for our daily bread. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray and ask God for daily bread. Then we're going to thank him for the bread he's sending. Now they're sitting there with hungry bellies, no food in the cupboard, and they're thanking God for the meal they're about to receive even though they got no money. That's faith. They're not just asking God to do it. They're believing God's going to do it. And so while they're praying, there's a knock at the door. George Mueller goes and answers the door, and guess who it is? It's the bakery down the street. The bakery down the street comes and says, look, we have fixed more bread than, than we're going to be able to sell today, and so we thought that you could use the bread for the kids here in this orphanage. And they were all fed that night. Now, see, I believe that brother had the gift of faith. You ever been around people with a gift of faith who just know how to believe God? I love being around those folks. Then the Bible says there's a gift of healing. There's a gift of healing. Now, some people say, well, Brother Israel, does that really mean that God supernaturally heals? Yes, I believe that's exactly what it means. I do. Because again, this is a gift of grace. This is a charismata. This is a gift of the Spirit, a supernatural gift. Peter and John evidently had the gift of healing because... By the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and through the name of Jesus, they healed the man there at the temple gate in Acts chapter number 5. You remember that? Excuse me, maybe, maybe chapter number 4. Chapter number 4, that's right. The gift that Jesus had of healing was going on all throughout his ministry. You say, well, brothers, well, that was Jesus. I mean, he's the only begotten Son of God. Do you know that Jesus operated by the same Spirit while he walked upon this earth that we operate in? Are there people who have the gift of healing? Absolutely, I believe that with everything in me. Some of them may be doctors, some of them may be nurses that have the gift of healing. It would seem to me that if God gave somebody the gift of healing, they could put them in the place where sick people are. I believe you might do that. But you don't have to be a doctor or a nurse, and some doctors or nurses don't have the gift of supernatural healing. Are you getting me? But I believe some do. I really do. I believe that God still does supernatural things through his people in the world we live in. Let me give you a story that I heard firsthand from 
uh, straight from the horse's mouth. Me and Brandy went on a uh, mission trip years ago to Haiti. We was working with a group called SMI Haiti. And there was a young man there um, who had pretty much grew up in the orphanage that they ran. The Lord did a great work in that ministry, and they're still doing a great work in that ministry. And he was now, at the time that we were there, that's probably been 10, 11 years ago now, he was a, uh, uh, I don't know, 22, 23 years old at that time. So he'd grown up um, through this work that God was doing there. Well, a few years before we came, they told us the story of what happened to this young man. It blessed my heart. I couldn't believe it. Now, you got to remember, in Haiti, there are no nurses and doctors that you run to. There are no hospitals. <laughs> there are no roads. There are there are no gas stations. I mean, there's nothing down there. It's just, when we think of poverty, that's not the same thing. When we think of poverty, we think of people who have a smaller size color TV than we've got. That's not what they think about when they think poverty. I mean, it's just completely different. So they were talking about this young man. What I'm saying is he couldn't just run to the doctor. There wasn't any. And so what happened, they were getting ready to go out that day, and all of them had went and got in the bus, and the, the leader of the group, the missionary that works on there full-time, a man by the name of Frank Williams, Frank needed something from inside the compound where all of them stayed at, where the ministry was based at in Gitan, Haiti. And so he tells the young man that I'm speaking of, he says, run back in and get whatever it is that he needed. So on the door there, they had one of those um, screen doors, that opened, but it had the, uh, the little uh, hydraulic shock that would close the door back. Well, that shock had came loose, and part of the metal was sticking out, you know, right back out to where you would be coming through the door. And so in a hurry, he just runs up through there, and when he jumps up on the step, he jumped too far, and that metal went through his eye. And so, of course, he screams out and grabs his eye, and, and everybody's wondering what's going on. And so the, the, the group, and, and Brother Frank, the, the missionary there, he gathered around and laid hands on this young man, and instantly God healed him. Young man still sees just as good or better than I do. You say, well, Brother, do you really believe that? Absolutely. You don't? You don't believe in a miracle-working God? If God can't work miracles, Vance Havner says that he is held captive in the world he created. That's good. Think about that just a minute. I believe God still gives the gifts of healing. Let's go on. Verse 10, to another the working of miracles, same thing. To another prophecy, what does it mean to prophesy? It means to speak forth <laughs> the word of God or to speak forward the, work, the word of God. I believe that God has given me the gift of prophecy to some degree. I think that may be my gift. I, I enjoy preaching the word of God. I'd rather preach and eat when I was hungry. And I'm glad that God allows me to do that. Some of these other gifts I don't have. See, that's the thing. God gives me gifts that he might not give you. And God gives you gifts that he might not give me. So that we can all work together and function properly in one body. Not uniformity, remember. But unity in diversity. 
God's not after uniformity. You don't have to be like me, and I don't have to be like you. Matter of fact, if I try to be like you, Brother Ben, if I try to be like you, Brother, I'm going to be the worst Ben Harris ever. I'm never going to be like you. I'm not created to be like you. So don't try to be like someone else. What God wants from you is to be you full of Jesus. And when you are you full of Jesus, then the sky's the limit how God can use you. So the gift of prophecy. What else he say? He said, then the discerning of spirits. There it is. We've already talked about that somewhat. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. Are there gifts of tongues? Yes, there are, according to the word of God. What, do we, what does it mean here by the gifts of tongues? You'll see it in Acts chapter 2. It's when God supernaturally gave people a language that they had never learned before. And he gave them that language for the purpose of proclaiming the gospel and praising Jesus. Go back and read it. You'll find it. Now, I know there's a lot of people who say that these gifts are not active today. Well, I don't believe that. Some can, and that's okay. But I'm just saying I believe God is still at work in his people by his power. Now, the gift of tongues has probably been the most um, misused gifts that we could ever speak about. The gift that's been used ignorantly more than anything else, I believe, to be the gift of tongues. If you want to see how the gift of tongues is actually supposed to operate, just flip over a few pages to 1 Corinthians 14, and you'll see how Paul gives you clear guidance in the church of how the gift of tongues is supposed to operate in his people. I don't have time to do that this morning, but I encourage you to do that. All right? So there's gifts of tongues. What else? To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these workers, that one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So what's he saying? God gives all these gifts. Some he gives many gifts. Some he gives a few gifts. But all of us have gifts to some degree that is given supernaturally by the Holy Spirit so that we might function in the body. So we've seen the description of gifts. We've seen the diversity of gifts. You say, well, brothers, wait just a minute now. I don't see my gift here. Well, wait just a minute. That's not the only place these are listed. Let me tell you how good God is. Go back to Romans chapter 12 with me. Keep your place there in 1 Corinthians 12 and go over to Romans chapter 12. Look how he puts it in verse number 6. Romans 12, 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, there's that gift we spoke about just a minute ago. Let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry. Now what does it mean when he says ministry? It means a gift of service. It means that you are willing to serve others selflessly. I love people with the gift of ministry. I'm going to tell you something. We wouldn't get nothing done if we didn't have some people with the gift of ministry. You know why we've got a children's church and we've got people with the gift of ministry? You know why we've got a nursery program? We've got people with a gift of ministry. Now, if you're looking for a place to serve, if you're looking for a place to selflessly give of yourself to the body of Christ in an area that's needed, why don't you sign up for the, for the nursery work? Why don't you sign up? We've got a sign-up sheet in the back for the usher-greeter ministry. Why don't you sign up for children's church workers? We need people who will give of themselves so that God might be glorified and these little babies might be taught. Can you say amen? We need that. Right now, we need that. So if you're looking for a place to serve, sign up. We'll get you on the list. We're not going to expect you to do it every Sunday. We're going to put you a schedule out for the next three months, and we want you to be a part of what God is doing right here in the lives of our young people. We need people with the gift of ministry. Amen? Selflessly giving them themselves. That's what he's talking about. 
Let's go on. What else does he say? He says that, verse number 8, or he that exhorteth. What does exhort mean? It means to build up. <laughs> now, you've got certain people who have the gift of building others up. Don't you like being around those folks? I hate being around negative Nancy, don't you? Ain't nothing right. Something's always wrong. They never find the silver lining in any cloud. Folks, I know we all got problems. We all do. This world is full of problems. But can I tell you this? As a child of God, we are not defeated. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. This world is going to hell in a handbasket. I, I agree with anybody who believes that. You can look outside. You can look on the news. You can see for yourself. Everywhere you look, this world has turned its back on God. But listen, that's nothing new. God is still on the throne. He's still my Abba Father, my Daddy God. Things look bleak. Things look dark. But for the child of God, they're getting gloriously dark because they got to get dark. Before the light comes. Can you say amen? So don't be downtrodden. Don't be depressed. Don't be defeated. You're not as a child of God. You've got the blessed hope of a home in heaven. You've got the blessed hope of God the Holy Spirit working in you. Working on you. Working through you to make a real difference. So you need to understand. We need some people with the gift of exhortation. Who build others up. Who encourage. Instead of discourage and tear down. Watch what else. He says this. He that giveth. Some people have the gift of giving. Praise God for those who have the gift of giving. Listen to me. You need to give your tithes. But how many of you know that's just the floor? That's not the ceiling. Paul says tithes and offerings. Your tithes is that 10% that God requires. Now get, you say, brother, I can't believe the God of heaven will require me to give 10%. Well, guess what? All of it's his. Every bit of it. Every bit of it's his. You know, well, now wait a minute, Pastor. I mean, I work for that money. I, I've worked years for that money. I've done this and I've done that and I've done without here and I've done without over there. Go read Deuteronomy 8.18. You're going to find that God is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth. If you've got wealth, guess why you got it? Because God gave it to you. He gave you the health to go to your job. He gave you the job itself. He gave you your salary. He gave you all of it. Now he said, what I need is that 10%. You put that back in the storehouse and see that I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you can't even receive. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? He said, start with the tithe and then go to the offering. What's the offering? It's what you give above and beyond the tithe. As you see the need, meet the need through the gift of giving. Amen? Watch what else. He that ruleth, let him do it with diligence. Some people have been given the gift of leadership. That's a good thing. Oh, listen. If you don't have a leader, we'll all fall in the ditch. Right? We need a leader. We need somebody that's going to step out in front and lead and be what God wants them to be. God gives people the gift to do just that. And he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. I've got to be honest with you. I think I lack in the gift of mercy sometimes. And I'm not proud of that. I'm just saying it's just the way it is. I'm just different. Sometimes I'm more hard-nosed maybe. 
when I could be more merciful. When sometimes I need to be more merciful. Well, I'm glad God puts people in the body that's not like me so that we can balance one another out just a little bit. You see how this works? I'm going to tell you this. You are all important to this body. And God has gifted you especially to be used in the body of Christ for the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus. Amen? The description of these gifts, the diversity of these gifts. Let me give you this real quickly, the discovery of these gifts. How do you discover your gift? Because you'll never be happy until you do. You never find joy in the Lord like he wants you to have until you discover your gift and get busy doing what God has gifted you to do. I believe that with all my heart. There's nothing like being used to the Lord. Folks, I want to tell you something. A lot of people think, man, if I surrender to the Lordship of Christ and I start following Jesus, that somehow that's going to be a burden to you. No, listen, that's not a burden. My goodness, that is an amazing blessing. You want to try and real, you want to find real purpose? You want to find real contentment? Get involved serving the Lord in the gifts that God has given you to use in his body. Man, it's amazing. But you've got to find out what those gifts are. You got to discover them. Three words I want to give you. First of all, lordship. If you're going to discover your gift, you've got to exercise in your life coming under the lordship of Jesus. Watch. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Stay in this same chapter. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Everybody see that? And do not conform to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What's he saying? It's your reasonable service to put yourself under the lordship of Christ and give him all you got if he gave you all he had. Don't that just make sense? Let me tell you how you'll find out what gift you have. The first step is putting yourself completely and fully and totally under the Lordship of Christ. What Jesus says goes. It's no longer about my plans, my desires, what I want. Now it's what he wants because he's Lord. He's master. He's the one who calls the shots. That's what it means to truly follow Jesus. That's what it means to truly pick up your cross and follow him daily. He's Lord. I die to myself. So that I might live for him. Amen? I surrender my wants, my needs for his wants and his needs. So first of all, it's lordship. Number two, stewardship. What does it mean to be a steward? Somebody give me a good word for steward. Caretaker, good. Manager. See, we are to manage what God has given us. Amen? Verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me that every man among you that he's not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God to dealt to, has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now don't get too big for your britches. And I shouldn't get too big for my britches. Don't think you're more than you are. Because except for the grace of God, we're all Sinners condemned to a devil's hell. Are you hearing me? Remember, all I'm supposed to do and all you're supposed to do 
is be good stewards of what God has given us. And if you can think like that, that'll keep you humble, won't it? Not me. It's him. It's not for me. It's for him. It's not because of me. Oh, listen, it's because of him. If anybody needs the glory, he does. I'm just a steward of what he gives. Think about it. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Don't get too big for your britches because God has a way. Believe me. He's done it with me several times. God has a way of simmering you down just a little bit. Of setting you down if he needs to. He can do it. He can do it. Lordship, stewardship. Let me give you number three. If you really want to find your gift, fellowship. Fellowship. Look how he puts it. Look right here. Verse number four. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of another. Let me tell you how you'll find your gift, by operating in the body. Let me tell you something. There ain't nothing wrong with taking a Sunday school class. See, you may never know that you have the gift of teaching unless you get in there and do some teaching. Right? There ain't nothing wrong with, 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 with signing up for, a, uh, for, for the nursery or for children's church because you don't, and, and you say, Brother, I just don't know if I've got the gift of mercy or the gift of ministry, the gift of service. Well, you'll never know till you get in there, will you? Are you seeing what I'm saying? Get in there and fellowship with the believers, man, and start serving. Let me tell you what happens to a Christian that don't serve. They see it, first of all. They see it. They sit down and do nothing. Let me tell you what happens. They get stagnant. They get used to sitting there. Let me tell you what happens then. They sour. They sour. I can tell by the look on their face. Like I've been baptized in pickle juice. Right? Like I've been sucking on persimmon. Why? Because they got sour. They ain't happy. They're not serving. They're not being a part of what God's doing. They're not using their gift. And true joy comes from using what God's give you. For his honor, for his glory. Don't see it. Don't get stagnant. Don't sour. Serve. Serve. Get in the fellowship. Be a part of what God's doing. There's all kind of ways you can serve. I'm telling you. All kind of ways. We need you. You need the church. The church needs you. If you believe it, say amen this morning. He's given every man a gift, the manifestation of his spirit. Everybody stand together. Let me ask you this. Are you using your gift? Are you serving? Are you faithful? Are you plugged in? If not, why not? Remember I told you about that football coach? It's one thing to be ignorant. Just not know any better. But you know what? Tell you what I figured out in my Christian walk. A lot of times when I fail the Lord, when I don't do what I know I should do or I do what I know I shouldn't do, it's not because of ignorance. I know better. See, I know I should be serving. I know I should be faithful. I know I should be plugged in. I know all this stuff. So that's no longer ignorance. That just becomes a stupid decision. We forfeit all the good things God has for us 
many times just because we won't do what we know we need to do. Amen? We've all been there. I know I, man, I stay there sometimes. We all need God's grace. We all need God's mercy. And His mercy is new for you this morning. If you've gotten away from the Lord and you're just not serving like you know God's called you to serve, you're not using the gift that He's given you so that you might function in the body, well, now's the time to get that right. Confess your sin. The Bible says He'll forgive you. He'll use you. You need the church. The church needs you. Get busy. Some of you here this morning, you've never yet trusted in Jesus. You're not a part of this body yet. And I stress yet because the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. Man, if you want what Jesus has for you, you can have it. Do you want eternal life? Do you want peace that passes all understanding? Do you want joy unspeakable and full of glory? Do you want purpose, contentment? Do you want to have the life the Bible says the children of God can have? It's yours this morning. You'll place your faith in Jesus. Now, I'm not saying everything's going to be perfect, hunky-dory, and hallelujah, you're never going to have any problems. We've all got problems. But what I am saying is this. Listen. The God of heaven will be with you no matter what you face. Billy Graham says Christianity is not about the absence of problems, but it is about the addition of God's power to help you through whatever problem you face. Isn't that good? <laughs> I like that. It's right. It's true. Do you need the Lord this morning? Do you need to be saved today? You need to join this church? God's, God spoke to your heart. You know this where um, he wants you to serve. He's put you here as it hath pleased him. And whatever you need, God's able and he's willing.